0: Alright, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast WTF. I'm out of town. It's early in the morning for me. And uh, I'm, I'm in a, 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 a place where the sound bounces around, which you probably can't uh, appreciate as much as I can appreciate not being the word that I really want to use. I mean, it, I'm not appreciating it. I, I guess that is the word. I'm acknowledging it. H- how's your morning going? I, I thought I was ready to do this but I, I don't have much time. I have a small window of time here. Today on the show Steve Sweeney, the uh, the the veteran comic. One of the Mount Rushmore figures of Boston comedy. I you know, I knew him when I was starting out. He's he's here today. He's got a, a movie out it's called uh, uh Sweeney Killing Sweeney. It's available on iTunes and Amazon. When I was starting out in Boston, this guy was the king. He was one of the kings. There was like three or four kings, and, uh, and Steve was one of them. So it was kind of interesting. I don't think I've really talked to him probably ever, but I talked maybe I talked to him a few times back when I was a, a kid, just a sprouting comic back at Nick's Comedy Stop in Boston. But uh, I, I certainly haven't talked to him as an adult, and it was very interesting for me. It's like a, a, a trip back. To a younger me, so let me explain what's going on here. Last time I talked to you, I was in St. Louis, and then on Sunday morning, I uh, I, I packed up my bags at five in the morning. I went to the uh, to the St. Louis airport, and I flew to Toronto, Canada, Toronto, Ontario. And now I, I got here on Sunday afternoon, checked into a hotel, and uh, went to a fitting for a movie. I I, I got off the plane Sunday. I tried on a bunch of clothes from the 1970s. Uh I selected a few and then uh, I went and tried on a wig. And then that night I went and uh, relaxed and I looked at my work for the next day. I'm shooting this uh this David Bowie film with uh, Johnny Flynn. And it's interesting about about they, this movie has been out in the press a bit and people's immediate response was like, "No, no, don't ruin Bowie, not. Nah, you can't, you know." Look, I, I'm a pretty big fucking David Bowie fan. And uh, I read this script and I found it to be uh, quite interesting. It's a very intimate movie. It's a very specific movie about a very specific time in Bowie's life. It takes it, it's not some you know arcing uh, biopic with a big scope. It really kind of uh, takes place over like a three week period of time on a Bowie's uh, trip to America in 1971, I play a music label Mercury a uh, publicist named Ron Oberman who I don't really really know anything about. He's still around but apparently he's not really uh, functioning that well, so I couldn't do that much research but uh but I I see the I see the lines and and I get it and uh, I'm just doing the work, man. Now I'm in it. We're the, it's the third day of shooting. We're shooting 12-hour days up here, but it's really it, the difference in shooting things and I I know this is a, kind of a new world for me, but when you're not when you're shooting a, a shooting can take a long time but these all these scenes are very they're intimate and there's only a couple of people involved so far the 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 crew is is pretty small there there only seems to be one camera the director shoots very quickly the cinematographer the dp he's 80 years old and his name's uh, Nick Noland, and apparently he's been a, he's been shooting stuff forever and he actually shot John and Yoko in bed in a short documentary and he shot uh, some Mark Boland footage back in the early 70s uh and I think this uh I think my director uh, Gabriel Range works with this guy a lot or has worked with him before but uh the idea that this guy shot these guys at that time is pretty trippy man and the fact that the dude is still working I mean schlepping cameras around getting on the crane getting into the the little uh, the camera seat at 80 and just like you know killing it which is a word I don't use that much. It's pretty astounding. I wish I had time to talk to him, but this is going to be a cram, man. So the the response to the Eve Ensler episode has been kind of overwhelming, and uh, I'm getting a lot of feedback uh, about the impact that episode had on people's lives, both men and women. And it's uh, it's 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 heavy, man. And and I'm 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 happy that that happened. Thank you for the feedback, and I'm, I was happy to uh, provide that service, really, uh, which was to have that conversation with Eventsler and to share it with you guys. All right. I've got three pages of dialogue to do today. It's, a, it's an outburst. I get mad at, uh, at Johnny Flynn's David Bowie and uh, have a little, a, a little scene. I make a scene for the scene, and, uh, you know, I mean, you folks know me. That's, that's a stretch. So there's a lot of things going on that I don't have in front of me. You can go to wtfpod.com slash tour uh, to check out all the tour dates. There's been a couple added since I've maybe last talked to you. The Montreal Just for Last Festival. I'll also be up here in the uh, Toronto Just for Laughs Festival. Glow is coming back on the air. Sword of Trust, which is S-W-O-R-D, Sword of Trust. The film I made with Lynn Shelton is opening, uh, is premiering in theaters in July and then as July kind of moves on, it's going to spread to a few theaters, about 24, 25 theaters. I believe that, I don't know if the dates for that are up on the website, but you can go to swordoftrust.com, I think, to get uh, all the uh, information on that. Oh, my God. I think I need a break, you guys. I, you know, I just, I think I'm going to need a break. Is that okay if I take a break? Would somebody please give me a vacation? Mark, I'm talking to you. Mark? Give yourself a vacation, will you? Can you? So, Steve Sweeney. How do I talk about Steve Sweeney? I, I oftentimes do not know how young Mark did what he did. I have, I have no concept. Uh, I was in Los Angeles in the uh, late 80s. Got all fucked up on drugs and went back to Boston to restart my comedy career that I'd started in Los Angeles at the comedy store. And you know, that was 1988. And I, I, and some of you know this information, but I came in second in a big comedy contest there. And from, you know, that like August, 1988, I've been a working comedian since then. Long time. But there was a local comedy scene. It was really a regional comedy scene that had these, this group of comics that just dominated it for, for years. And, you know, I was entering that world cause I was living in Boston and it was a one nighter market. And that's how you, you, sort of, that's how I made my bones I was running around to bars, discos, uh, pubs, bowling alleys, hotel conference rooms uh, of all different sorts uh, all over the New England area doing these gigs. And one of the the big dudes at that time, there were a few of them, was uh, Steve Sweeney. Steve Sweeney was like Boston's own comedic superhero, man. You just had this crew of people that a, a lot of people don't know because they they were they were New England comics. I mean, they they spread out sometimes, they they took trips and they went to New York and they went to LA, but, uh, you know, and they did the evening at the improv and this and that, but in terms of working comics, a lot of people didn't know. And there were dozens of them. And Steve, Steve Sweeney was, uh, was one of the big guys. He was the, he was, if you were to go to new England and, and mention you, if you were to say to anybody in the, uh, sort of, uh, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, uh, Rhode Island region, you know a comic uh, from Boston named Steve Sweeney? They would be like, of course, of course. Of course I know Sweeney. He did these big characters, big, and he, and he just, he he owned them and he leaned into them and he just had a huge presence on stage. And I remember, I always, it wasn't a matter of intimidating, it was just that he was sort of mythic. I mean, you'd see him, you know, sometimes he'd do, you know, 10, 15 minutes when he's supposed to do 45 or he'd do 20, and then sometimes he'd do, a, you know, an hour. But you just, he was sort of always delivered the goods, but at the time back in the day, and this was, I think, before he sobered up, you just, I don't know, he was intimidating, he was a little crazy, you know, he was kind of you know, wild. So my memories of him are, are, are kind of like awe of some kind. And sort of like, you know, what's that guy about? You know, and, and just uh, knowing that he was, you know, he was the guy. He's the king of fucking Boston. Comedy-wise, on that, you know, in that world, you know, I, I of course, like, entered the world of Catch a Rising Star, where it was me and Dave Cross and Janine Garofalo and Laura Keitlinger and Louie and... Uh, Chuck Sklar and John Groff, Lauren Dombrowski, whatever. There was a, we were then a generation beneath them, and we were in this little basement club in in Cambridge. Yet there was this regional scene, you know, this regional comedy community, and I worked within it. You know, I was there doing one nighters with a lot of these guys, but it was intimidating in a weird way for me to talk to Steve Sweeney because, like I said, he held this place where I was like. This guy was the biggest guy, and there was a couple of things that he did that I thought were just sort of astounding. And, uh, and I really haven't seen or, or talked to him much, maybe in passing, but not really, in, you know, what, almost 30 years? But uh, he came by, and uh, I was excited for the opportunity, and uh, he's, he's created, a, made a new movie called uh, Sweeney Killing Sweeney. It's available on iTunes and Amazon. And and he'll be at the Improv Asylum in Boston this Sunday, June 23rd, doing his one-man show, Townie. And this is me talking to Steve Sweeney back in the house. Back in the house in California. Steve Sweeney and me.
1: So uh, it's good to see you. Really good to see you, Mark. Uh, I watch you, and I watch Joe, and I watch other people. It's such an interesting thing to come back here to Los Angeles, yeah. because I lived here for eight years. Yeah, And I remember having all of these. And then I came back out for yeah. a few auditions and stuff. Yeah. And when I didn't get them, I got flooded with those old feelings it of was... like, why am I here? And just this terrible, terrible third world kind of 405 <laughs> freeway kind of jumping out of my skin, <laughs> From lon- <when> he... <laughs> loneliness and pain experience. For when you he lived here. From when you he lived yeah, here. But, yeah. see, but see, when I come out yeah. and I actually have something, yeah, I feel like a valid human being. And then I come out to this place, I get to watch guys like you and Joe Rogan and and uh bill burr and all this you yeah. know I, and i remember all of you guys when, when we were kids well i remember <laughs> a lot of you freaking open for me and yeah. I, i'd tell people you want to get successful in this business open for me <laughs> and then yeah. i'll get to watch you go buy me it's, come on you, a, it's not uh, a race it's not a race steve it's a fucking
0: crapshoot this is like fucking standing at a roulette wheel yeah, you know, When you got the talent, you
1: you hope that you fucking hit your number. Well, let, let, let me put it to you another yeah. way, okay? Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's times in life when you fall into things. Then there's times in life where you make conscious choices. Sure. So sometimes you make a conscious choice out of total- Desperation? Yeah, desperation. <laughs> so <laughs> I left here. I was with a woman. I was engaged. Yeah. I, I like these podcasts because you can get personal, you know. Sure. I don't have to do shtick. No. Um, and then I came back, and it was the one winter where it was like raining every day. It was like a tsunami. And I had a guy. I had yeah. one of those Oakwood apartments, you know, those yeah. corporate apartments? Sure, sure. The, the furnished ones. The furnished ones. Yeah. And so the guy next to me, you could hear it through the wall, he had to call Africa every day at three because yeah. that's when they wake up. And and he, I liked that he spoke from his heart. But I was getting homicidal. You know, no, this is an important call. I have to make this call. It's my family. <laughs> and then I was just overwhelmed with this tremendous sense of isolation. And what I said was, I don't know where I have to go, but I got to get the fuck out of here.
0: But let's go back though, because like when I uh, when I was in Boston, yeah, yeah. like I, I, I came in second in that riot in uh, in eighty eight. 1988. Well, oh, that was Chicago, the riots. No, that, that was an earlier riot. This was the WBCN <laughs> riot. So sec- I lost to, I was in second, I lost to Sue Guinness. Oh, yeah. Oh, you remember her? Yeah. How's she doing? Do you see her around? She's still doing it? I guess. All right.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, she's probably doing it, yeah. So
0: I started working then, yeah. you know, uh, around Boston, doing the one-nighters, working, uh-huh. you know, opening, driving you guys around to different parts That's of the right. world. Yeah. <laughs> I remember driving Dick Dougherty somewhere. Dick Dougherty. He goes, you know what? Your problem? You're insecure. <laughs> <laughs> you're insecure. <laughs> But uh, but like that's when I started doing the thing when I started working for him was '88 and that's when I started you know first started meeting you guys yeah. and you and, like you the, your crew was was you and Gavin George McDonald Lenny Lenny you know, Lenny Clark Kenny Rogers Kenny Rogerson. yeah uh, 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 was it Warren McDonald Mike yeah. McDonald yeah. uh, Sisler, <laughs> Lazarus you know like that's they, funny they're all around. You know, everybody was around. Leary before he got yeah. big. So you guys were like, you know, you you were the, the the big guys in the Boston area. And the weird thing about Boston, I don't think that people know, but I've talked to a few guys on the show, is that it was its own thing. It's Absolutely. always been its own thing.
1: Absolutely.
0: There are guys that, you know, have made a living, a good living for years. Joe Yannetti started with me. Yeah. For years, right? And you know, and it was its own, you know, you could work every weekend somewhere. Yeah, but you were like it was like I just remember the first time seeing you. It must have been at like fucking Nick's. Yeah, and then I started doing shows there, Yeah. and it was a scary place, Steve, for it for an aggravated, sensitive Jew like myself. It's amazing I lived through it.
1: It was a scary place <laughs> for me. I know. You know, we I know we we are not we are not on camera, but this is a great joke. Yeah, so I want you to ask me. Yeah. Was Nick's a mafia joint? (laughs) Ask me that. Was Nick's a
0: mafia joint? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so what I just did
1: was I said (laughs) no and yes with with a head shake.
0: Well, I mean, I remember those guys. I just remember there were like you know. Here's what I'm thinking. Like here's the fucked up thing about like you
1: you know. You're coming over and I'm in my mind. I'm like, what happened to Trigger? Trigger Burke. Oh my God. Oh my God. Trigger is no longer with us, but I got to tell you something. You know, it's so funny where I grew up. Yeah. I grew up with guys. Which town? Charlestown. Yeah. They made a movie of it called Town. But I grew up with professional criminals. Right. Okay. Yeah. And my rite of passage was shoplifting. Right. Okay. Yeah. Which I I was so bad at. I mean, I was just like the worst. But Trigger who was a petty thief. He'd done some time, whatever. But he was around the scene. I'll never forget this. 400 people at Nick's. Um, I'm doing great. I'm on the stage. Right. The waitress, of course, they got no clue. They bring me a note. Yeah. I figure so- somebody's car's being towed or somebody right. had a heart attack. Yeah. Trigger Burke had sent me this note. Toaster ovens, 20 bucks. He was selling hot freaking ovens.
0: In the parking lot?
1: So I grew up with this one guy. And he, I was like selling I wasn't selling I was like in these cars and we ended up in this sort of armed robbery blah 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 but anyway he, he, <laughs> pretty not, that part of it big leap. Not, that, that part of it's not interesting oh, okay. but this part of it is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so he I do nicks, and I look out in the audience and there's this guy from Charlestown Joe Joe Rocco I'm going to use his name because he's no longer with us and I, I killed, I got 400 people, it was practically a standing ovation. Yeah. So I see him afterwards, he comes up to me, and I said, I was expecting him to say, Jesus, great you got out of Yeah. or I liked the show, or I didn't like the show, but right. something to do with the event. Right. So this is exactly what he said to me, Mark, and he had that look in his eyes, he says, it has gotta be a lot of money in here. I said, you came here so that I could case the joint from the freaking stage, Jesus Christ. But this is, the comedy just, you know, I guess the word is organic because get all these guys in the street corner. You know, they, they, they're funny and they're, why don't we try this? But when I started, there was no comedy clubs. But like what, let me ask you I was you something. opening for, you know, B.B. B. King and oh, the right. Sugar Shack and all but, this but stuff. But who was yeah. like at that
0: time- like in Charlestown, like how many yeah. kids in your family? Like
1: what was? I'm the year? youngest of five. Of
0: five, so yeah. you, And that's it's not Southie, it's Charlestown. You it's, better
1: fucking believe it. <laughs> don't ever make that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> there's the North End and there's Charlestown. Right. You go over oh, the that's bridge, right, right and there's there, Charlestown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, what,
0: like, uh, like you're a little older than me. Like what was like what was the neighborhood like? I mean,
1: it was unbelievable, but it in but a good way. But it's normal. I thought it was unbelievable in a great way, but uh, but I w- but there was a mix of people that things were normal. Uh, in my one-man show, which I called Townie, I talk about these events that happened to me in my life that were like, and people, you know, like Vietnam, for yeah. example. Uh, so I went to see a psychiatrist because I got drafted and everything, yeah. and I said... <sighs> Okay, so you know like when you see someone get shot yeah. and they fall down and the blood's coming out? You know how like when you're having armed robbery and everybody leaves and no one says that? And the psychiatrist said to me, no, that's totally outside my experience. I, Do you think everybody, did I said, isn't that normal? So it was this wonderful mix. Everybody knew each other. It was like... Charlestown was all Irish. The North End was all Italian. And I will never forget this. One of the most important things in Charlestown was yeah. you didn't have to win, but you had a fight. You didn't have to win, but you had a fight. Now, there were individual fights. Yeah. And I'll never forget Davey Ladder and the projects. He broke one of the rules. These were fist fights, yeah. Mark. He kicked me in the balls. And it was like, oh! <laughs> You know, it was like Pavarotti hitting the high notes. Sure. So then everybody jumped in, they got him. So those were the individual fights. But then there were town fights, the Irish guys against the Italians. So we were lined up on the bridge, so you'd be lined up against one guy. But I feel like you like movies, I assume. Sure. I felt like I was watching a movie because it, being Irish, we don't have any feelings. Everything's yeah. suppressed. Even the way we dance is like everything's <laughs> stiff. And this guy's across from me. I'm going to, and it's like an operation. I'm going to take your fucking ear. I'm going to tear that off. You're going to have to fucking swallow that. Then I'm going to take your fucking up. And so I'm an actor. So when you're an actor, there's always you and then you watching you. And then you watching the scene, I said, this is fucking great. Yeah. This guy's amazing. I'm, I forget I'm supposed to be fighting him. Yeah. So it was all, it was, you know, homogeneous. Is yeah. that the word? Uh, sure. did, did you grow up in a mixed neighborhood? Not really. I mean, where I grew up in New
0: Mexico, Albuquerque, was about, when I was growing up, it was about 60 or 70% uh, Latino. But it, I don't know, it wasn't really mixed in the same way the East Coast places are mixed. Like my, my high school was mostly... You know, uh, it's a large uh, Latino community. But you're Jewish. I'm Jewish. Yeah, we came by way of uh, Jersey how, to how, Albuquerque. How do you spell your last name? M a r o n. It's not. I just went. I, you know, I just did that finding your roots show. It's it's not a Jewish last name, and it wasn't changed. But I'm a Jew all the way back. Hundred percent DNA test came back <laughs> Jew. <laughs> Ashkenazi I see,
1: Jew I can I can see you in New Mexico with the you know the Latinos hey you're still like Jackie Mason I want to tell you the truth <laughs> right. hey yeah, can, yeah. pueblos <laughs> hey come on we're <laughs> gonna go up to the pueblos come on that was a, it was a little like that what not about quite. American Indians were
0: those guys they were that, around yeah the uh uh they were around they are you a
1: spiritual person somewhat
0: I don't know if I am I probably not actively are you yes very much like, so. what do you do
1: um uh,
0: are you, are you still Catholic?
1: Only for funerals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to be respectful. Sure, of course. But but I'm, I, I have practices, but I'm also interested in that part of the world for the Native American kind of thing, the Pueblo culture and all of that. You can go
0: see all that stuff.
1: D.H. Lawrence wrote a book about... Yeah, he lived in New Mexico. Yeah, and he said, you know what? This place, and of course he was English. Yeah. He said, this place does not fit... Human beings, he said, there's something off about this. Because he was from a European culture, which is indoors. Oh, he wrote that when he was in New Mexico? Yeah, he said, it's you know, Europeans are more indoors yeah. and everything. no space. Anyway, I have a fascination with those open places. What I do is every summer-
0: Dennis I, Hopper did a lot of coke at that D.H. Lawrence place back in the did day. Did he? I think he lived up there for a while. Yeah, you have a the theory.
1: I, you know, I love Dennis Hopper. Greatest, great. I, I, I love him. him. He had a look, you know, when he was in like Apocalypse Now, this man's unbelievable. I'm yeah, telling yeah, you, yeah. you wanna see this guy can but... go out and land
0: on a fraction?
1: Yeah, but then how about in um blue velvet? Oh yeah. yeah oh yeah, my yeah. god. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then yeah. with Stockwell there, who I later met. Yeah. When he played uh, Roy Auberson. Yeah, yeah
0: candy colour clown, they called candy the clown,
1: clown, they called the clown man. <laughs> Whispers in his ear and then with each between each bar they were kicking the guy. Yeah. But there was something about him that I I just found lovable and then I'm I'm really not going to get too personal about this but in Hoosiers when he played the alcoholic father. Do yeah. you remember that movie? I love it. He was so vulnerable, he was beautiful. But I saw him in New York he was directing. He was a multi-faceted yeah, yeah. guy.
0: Did a few movies. That and, his movie Out of the Blue is one of the most devastating, fucked up movies ever. I've, I've seen never in my life. seen that. But but oh, but you're talking about open spaces.
1: Yeah, I mean, what? That's what I do. I I I'm sober 26 years, coming up on 27. And, All the way through. Well, <laughs> Sundays. <yeah. laughs> no, you we also give chips. You know at <laughs> yeah. AA? Yeah. I always say. With salsa? Uh, but anyway, we're not going to go there. We uh, can go there. I got, I'm almost 20. Wow, that's great.
0: I'm fairly open about it on the air because I think it helps people. Tradition be damned, but okay. that's my trip.
1: Yeah. No, I, no, that's fine. So in the program, they say, find a God of your understanding. So yeah. what I wanted to do, Mark, was I didn't want to just say, okay, here's what I want in a God like a freaking casting session. Yeah. You know? I right. said- well, if I'm going to find this, I have to experience it. Mm. It's like Carl Jung on his deathbed. They said, do you believe in God? And he said, no, I know God. So what I did was I just went out to uh, Zion National Park oh, yeah, and Bryce Canyon yeah. Is Utah? And all of that. Yeah, and it's Red Rock cool. Canyon outside yeah, of Vegas. And yeah. that's where I experienced the higher power. The white light moment? Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, what, what happened for me was I lost the, the obsession, right, which was very freaking painful. Took a while, right? A few years it took for me to really not think about it. I got it once. I got it at once because I bounced for 10 years and then I just prayed. I didn't know what I was praying to and that left. Then, of course, the obsession went right to the woman who had just left me. And that yeah. fucking thing lasted forever. And I took courses in yeah. mi- what they call mind-stopping. And mind-stopping? Yeah. You What's look, that? You picture a white card and you, you just every time you get caught up in it. But the, but the the way to oh, the obsession, the obsession because oh, yeah. it's an obsessive compulsive personality yeah, disorder. Me,
0: I'm living in it. Are you really every day? Sure. Yeah, mine manifests in uh, like I, I get like I either go to dread and and sort of get into a paralysis, yeah, or I get anxiety where you know I have to do a bunch of little things here and there, and I'm always I'm eating these nicotine lozenges, I'm drinking tea all day. You know, I uh, it, it comes up in different places, but it, you know, as long as it's not uh, making I my life I, unmanageable.
1: I can help you.
0: With the white card? W- w- no, no.
1: Would you like me to help you?
0: Right now? Yes. Are you gonna tell me something, or are you gonna hit me? <laughs> 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 You're gonna, you gotta, has, you you smack gotta be, smack me upside the head. You, you
1: gotta be open to this. Are you open to this? Okay. So I work in jails. I work at the Plymouth County Jail, and I worked at Dedham, and I work with kids. Yeah. So this is something that was taught to me. There's two things you got to. Re- this is for your mind, okay. Which is, the future's anxiety, the past is depression. Yeah. Where are my feet? Yeah, right here. That's it. Yeah. So you keep coming back to the same moment. But what really worked for me with all of this. Was to practice a breathing exercise yeah. breathing in four breathing out four mm. now you're like me you're all up in your fucking head right. i know you're not going to do it not you're going to no you won't i know you you are bullshitting <laughs> me <laughs> but i'm telling you when you're in some airport which i've just been through for flights and yeah. the san diego freeway i just practice breathing deeply and the mind listens to the breath so it helps me do you meditate as well yeah i practice what they call mindfulness right which meditation got the hold. breathing and the, yeah. I sit there. Yeah. I start with these breathing techniques and I feel like Russell Brand now so I give him my bullshit out here. But uh, anyway. No, no, it is helpful. What do you do in jails? I teach what I've just told you. I teach guys to how to be in the moment and my official... Uh, Title is substance abuse counselor.
0: Oh, so did you get like? Did you have to put, uh, log some hours and get it like a little uh, certificate? I have a and master's
1: in psychology in counseling.
0: See, I used to hear this about you, like you know, there was a, you were this mythical character uh, that I would hear about occasionally, because like you know, like I remember seriously, and we can get back to you know, uh, you know, the evolution. But like one of these, one of the last memories I have, like I remember when you were in trouble. Like yeah. you know, you were in trouble. Like one of the last conscious memories I have, and maybe I've seen you once or twice since then. Was back in the '80s at Nick's, and uh, I don't know. You you would uh, lost your mind. Yeah. And you know you you were in the back room and you were sad. and you were bloody. I don't even. And I don't think there was anyone else involved. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't remember what happened. Oh my god! <laughs> but but uh, you know. know, I just remember that you know Dominic was there. Oh maybe yeah. Jackie was there. Credico no. was there. You know. There's <laughs> a, a there's
1: a thing that I uh, I would like to introduce you to that if you don't know it's called cocaine induced psychosis. I had it. Well, let me do the dialogue. Okay. Did you hear that? No. Did you hear that? I didn't hear it. Did you hear that? No. You had to hear that. That's happen? cocaine-induced psychosis.
0: My problem when I had it was the whole, like, the whole do you conversations. hear the voices? I hear the voices.
1: Yeah. Do you hear them? you hear them? No. Yeah. And then the guy gets pissed off. You tell me you didn't fucking hear that. I was with a Vietnam vet who said, that. I said, listen, I got to go home. Why are you leaving? Well, we've been sitting here for 12 hours sweating, looking at each other. I think it's appropriate to leave. <laughs> Isn't it amazing we lived through it? It's you know?
0: fucking amazing, man. It's a man.
1: gift. It's a gift. So from Charlestown to
0: acting, I mean, what, how do you make the decision to you know get off the bridge and pursue my the dream? brother
1: was nineteen, I was nineteen. My brother calls me up. He's at Smith College. He says, "Do you want a job for the summer?" And I and I said, uh, "I don't know. I guess so." Yeah. And he said, "What is it?" He said, "Acting." So I said, "Jimmy, you know I'm not gay. Why do you yeah. ask me that?" Because everybody who I knew yeah. in Charlestown that was gay. an actor but, was but gay. But it was Smith College. Yeah. And I got I went up there and it was all girls. I loved it. Yeah. But I got to tell you. Wh- you've done some acting.
0: But yeah, but you the, weren't in the acting program. You were just No, no, no. <laughs> I was
1: nothing. Yeah. But you've done some acting. Yeah. So when you first start and you feel an emotion, yeah, you really think you're good. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm still but, in that phase. <laughs> but but I was I was doing Shakespeare. Right. And I had that horrible Boston accent. Right. But I was a big tall guy so I was Macbeth and I was like, is that a dagger <laughs> that I see before me, and you think you're being great, <laughs> you know, or uh, you know Richard the yeah, a hoss, a hoss. <laughs>
0: Come on, you know,
1: you know what it's like. It's but like, where, where were you it, doing this? You, I mean, but that was at Smith. But I you, know, but like you weren't in the college; it was just a job. It was a summer theater, oh, summer oh, a sum- theater. Okay, it. and then I went back to UMass yeah. and I studied it, but um. Have you ever sat through some of these college productions? Not lately. Well, it's fucking awful. And, <laughs> and But the other kids, yeah. they were all from New York, and okay. they had accents, too. You right. know, I want to tell you the truth. Been a, but I'm a, hey, Macbeth, there's been a murder, <laughs> <on>. the horror. <laughs> really? But then I got the bug, and I, I love theater. That's I still love it to this day. And I was uh, a doorman at the theater. Where? And, uh, as a stagehand at the Schubert, the Colonial. and uh, uh, And... and it's now the Wang Center, and I saw all these amazing actors. Like who? Well, I, I saw him. He wasn't performing. Yeah. But Joan Plowright was doing a play, and she was married to Laurence Olivier. No, yeah. So Laurence Olivier came in, and I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> He went. In, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. i believe it. But he went in the sub shop to buy a sub. To get, I said, Lawrence Olivier is ordering a freaking sub. Yeah. So my mind is guy's saying- gotta uh, Guy's got to eat. Guy's <laughs> got to eat. Yeah. But I'm saying to myself, he's saying, I love a pepper and cheese <laughs> and with the onions. that he <laughs> for here and a go. But I'll, I'll tell you who I saw. <laughs> and I, the, I was later, uh, yeah. did a movie with yeah. him, was Christopher Plummer. Yeah saw so Richard Burton, Equus, Jack Lemmon, oh. you know, it was wonderful. It was amazing. And you were well, you were a kid, like twenty, yeah, early twenties, yeah. So the, the and then the, I fell. I did a one man show, and I fell into stand up because I did a one man show of all these characters, and then I I was broke, and the guy said, "Why don't you go up there as yourself?" The first year, I didn't even use a mic. Yeah, you, well, know, you were
0: yeah, you could get big, man.
1: Yeah, I but I was just I fell into it, man. I fell into it, and I said this. To Joe, I said, I got into stand-up to get acting work. And I'm still fucking waiting. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in a few things. Yeah, No, I've been on a lot of movies. And, and I just produced my first movie, Sweeney Killing Sweeney. And listen to this cast. Stephen Wright, Bobby Slayton, Frank Santorelli. Tony DiPaolo. Billy, Nick DiPaolo. Jonathan I got, Katz I John saw in the trailer. John Katz. How brilliant is he? He's got a great line in the movie. He said, you know... My uncle, who was a a well-known judge, and even when he was down and out, and he was a, 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 a bum in the Bowery, people said, Still said to him, May I approach the bench? <laughs> How great a line is that? <laughs> yeah. No, the movie, it looks good and it looks yeah. fitting.
0: Like, I, you know, I completely get the premise. Yeah. Because, like, you were, yeah, you were and are the character guy, but, but it was, it's interesting just the the arc of it. So you're, you're, you're doing a one man show and, and who approaches you? There's no stand up at that time. There's no clubs yet. Is that what you're telling me?
1: No. They, they started, uh, well, no, there were no comedy clubs. I did the one man show at the Charles Playhouse. Oh yeah, and then they and said that, that became the Comedy Connection, yeah, right? Right next said, door. You know, I was just doing this crazy shit. Then I did it at the Ding Ho, and I was exploring. And that was, you know, so the Ding Ho was around. That started like years later, but 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 I was still doing these fucking crazy characters, right? Like my heroes were like Lily Tomlin, Jonathan right. Winters, sure. that stuff. There, there was a precedent. Yeah. for doing that type of to comedy me, and to me since then nobody touches carlin Pryor, lily tom and jonathan winters for me yeah you know? sure no one no one's touched them
0: so you're doing this stuff and you're when do you start working as comedy like because I, I, i'm sort of fascinated with that whole thing you know because i got there a little late you know I, yeah i went I, I, the first time i started doing comedy there was in my in college in 84 so i was doing where'd you go to college uh, boston university Wow! Yeah, so I I was doing the first time I tried stand up. I was doing open mics at yeah. Plating and Sam's. Yeah, right. Stitches, the yeah. original
1: one. Yeah,
0: what happened to Harry?
1: Harry? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Harry Conforti.
1: I think he's still probably working for Pat Lyons.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh I remember Harry, you know. <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, but it was like He could it, work at Ace
1: Hardware, Harry. Yeah, he could work anywhere. You know, he yeah. had that kind of Hey, what's going on? Yeah, you yeah, know, no, like no, it goes through <laughs> guys like that go through life. They don't go through life like us. No, no. They
0: find a gig. They enjoy life. Is it? They seem like the they kind fucking, of people.
1: Everything bounces off. Yeah, them. their yeah. whole attitude is like whatever. Yeah,
0: I can't. I, I I envy it, but then I'm. Some days I'm grateful. So so that's eighty four. But when the Ding Ho was, I, I went to open mics at the Ding Ho. Yeah,
1: that was Lenny's night. Wednesday nights. My light, My night was Sunday nights.
0: Lenny's night that's right I always yeah. had these issues with like you know what Kenny Rogerson used to have the open mic at Play it played against Sam's yeah. and you put your name on a fucking list and he gets shit faced in the middle of the show mm-hmm. and there was like a couple of times where like he just forgot to put me on and I stayed there all night but when you're an open micer, half he is hoping you don't go on but I just used to watch and watch and the names would go by and names would go by and then he'd close the show and I'd be like what the fuck
1: and uh, here's how I look at it Yeah, all of those humiliating debilitating awful experiences create who you are yeah like for me I remember this guy said to me and you know I was making a living and everything and he said to me why are you bitter and I said wow this is a choice I make you know but I can remember being humiliated doing this job there was one incident played at uh, Ground round, me and Jay Charbonneau, and the guy was throwing How's Jay ice. Jay Charbonneau? He's great. Yeah, but but he, uh, the guy was throwing ice. At yeah, him on the stage, and he was
0: always, You could always count on Jay for a snap. He'll snap, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> and that would happen. Yeah, so but he, he did his thing. Then yeah. my opening line, Mark, yeah. right? Now, can you imagine this? You're, yeah, you go I to, can. You go to a fucking comedy <laughs> show, and the the comedians That's opening. It's a ground round. At the opening line of the comedian was yeah. this. I said, any motherfucker that throws a fucking piece of ice at me, I'm fucking going right over the- Now let's have fun. I mean, it's like, <laughs> forget about you it. You had to, but that was the nature of the one night. But, but I feel like it's, it's humiliating, it's debilitating, but it builds you up oh, no so shit. that now I don't take any shit. If they're texting, turn it off. I'm not going to be clever. Mm. One, I, said, I got one line for it. I said, look, you're putting us out of a job because yeah. the comedian of the future... I'll text you a joke, yeah. you text back L O L, that's right. the end of it. Yeah. But I had one woman in the audience and she looked at me in this yeah. kind of superior way. Well I can multitask. I said, Oh good. So when I stick it up your ass, you're still gonna be you know <laughs> good one. But then when I came out here the last time uh-huh. and I was on Joe over there at the improv, the audience was fantastic. I said, Oh my god, they're here to actually see comedy. Yeah. I can see why people like it out here.
0: Yeah, you know. there's good nights now. You know, the the clubs are like kind of popping again. Yeah. You know, and Joe pulls people in. You know, the comedy store is great. You know, it's always packed. But Is that where you work? I I do primarily the comedy store when I'm in town. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It's like I you know, I had a lot of experiences there. I feel like I belong there. It feels I like had a fun. lot of experiences there. Believe me. I I'm sure I had similar with, experiences. With Sam Kenneth. I had them too. The
1: same experience with Sam,
0: with Sam but later probably.
1: Oh my God! We were up at Joni. He bought a house from Joni Mitchell. The one in Malibu. Or no, the this one was this was up on a hill. And I'm. Up what year there. was this? I don't. I lose track of the years. But we're all up there, and yeah. uh, we're in this little room. You know, with all the yeah the, the stuff. This stuff. Yeah. And I said I could be in fucking Somerville in yeah. an alley. You know, yeah. this is like. It was crazy. Boy, Sam. Ooh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. I spent a lot of hours with him. Me Jesus too. I, but
0: I. Yeah, okay, Ooh. look me in the eye, Sweeney. <laughs>
1: I can't trust a man that doesn't look me in the eye. <laughs> he had that Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck. I thought I was bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, what am I doing in this room? I was a one-on-one, room?
0: man. Three days. You were? Yeah. But, but sure, man. I mean, like, I lived in that fucking house up behind the comedy store later. You know, you this was, I was there in 87. So you, <sighs> this, you must be talking about, like, early, before he broke, right? Or was it? No, this was after he broke. Oh. And he was big, but he... Oh, maybe it was later, but he was brilliant. When were you
1: out here? You know what, Mark? You keep asking me years. Oh, I'm sorry, but That's like, okay. but it was. I'm just but trying you to figure out. Was it before you or after? Understand that I don't remember a day of the '90s. <laughs> I get it, but I was here when
0: Lenny was here. Like yeah. I was oh, here yeah. when
1: Lenny was in that crew. Yeah, it and was like, Lenny, Lenny, Carla, Sam, Kennedy. Right, right. Yeah. So he was running with them, yeah. but you weren't around. So you were already uh-huh. back home, or you hadn't yeah, come but, yet. But he would bring himself. <laughs> <laughs> it Sam, yeah, it would bring, and him. then I did the movie with him back to back School. back to school, right? Yeah, so and that then was before then me. he had another wonderful opportunity. He was like, but the best comedian I ever saw and ever will see was Richard Pryor, right? At the yeah. comedy store, yeah, I saw him every day, but I also saw his movies, and he he was thrilling. But George Carlin, oh yeah, those guys, you know. Sure. So so the Ding Ho. It didn't it Sunday know, nights. Yeah. yeah. I that just was your did, night. I just did characters, that's all. I just but, get but up and when, did characters. But people
0: don't realize that this was a Chinese restaurant that Chinese had, a restaurant. Show,
1: uh, had a showroom.
0: Yeah. Jimmy Tingle was the bartender yep. before he became a comedian. Yeah. Mark Clark was the doorman. Mark, that's right. Mike booked it. Mike Clark booked but it. But Barry
1: Kremen started the whole thing.
0: Right, on the Wednesdays. Him and Lenny. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just, was, so you would host guys. It wasn't an open mic yours. You'd have you and you'd do like. No, you know. I
1: did all characters. It was just me. So you
0: just do it for an hour, hour and a half? Oh, yeah. When does the, the, the sort of career really in Boston take off? When does Nick's happen? I did,
1: well, I did uh, HBO Young Comedians with John Candy. Oh,
0: yeah, that's and, right. And, um, that's right. That was like, I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to date,
1: 83. All right, so I did that. Yeah. And then. I was on Letterman, yeah, and, and then I—I I remember seeing you on Letterman. Yeah, so I did a, a couple times. Just, it, how many times you do that? Just once. Yeah, or as Kenny Rogerson would say, I did it when it was in black and white. <laughs> so then I did Karen that, was so and uh, funny. How's he doing? Kenny's doing great. Oh, good. And he's, of course, he's condemned. You know what the moving prisons are, don't you? No, they're called cruise ships. Oh, <laughs> that fucking life, <laughs> Jesus. Him Chris. and Gavin. Uh, doesn't oh. Gavin live on a dock? Oh my God! Does I, he like no? Does no. he live I mean, in Portland or something? No, he lives in Boston. Oh. But oh my God! I you know this is you know this is a weird subject to talk about, but I think I can talk about about it with you safely. Yeah. Okay. The isolation of that kind of life is just if you are drinking, you're all set. Yeah, if you are. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you're, you're not, not going to run into anything. You're if not gonna you're try. not, if you're not drinking, oh my God, this is a floating bar room. If, you know, there's I, that too. But you and I seem similar in that.
0: You know, that the the like that what you were explaining when you were out here. You know, living in those apartments yeah. and not working. That like I can feel very isolated among people. Like even yeah. if like like it doesn't matter where I am, if I get that loneliness now, like, I'm not part of it. Yeah, that and it's just paralyzing and dark. It can get yeah. very horrible very quickly. And the idea of uh, being on a boat, not only n- not drinking, the, my biggest concern is what if you have a shit show? You got to walk up and down the fucking boat and those people that you mm. perform for, they're going to be there for the whole three or four days that well, you're I, on the
1: boat. You, you, you're you captive of the audience. You can't
0: get away.
1: No. Don Gavin does a great thing at the end of his act. He yeah. says, listen, if you see me on the ship <laughs> and I'm reading or whatever, don't come up and yeah. say hi to me. Yeah. And they all think it's a joke. And yeah. you know? and then they'll come up to him and say he'll say, I didn't I tell you? Don't bother me. <laughs> um But yeah, that you're stuck with the audience. There's just a, I, my life has changed because Wait, we're back in nineteen eighty three. So you do you do Letterman. All right. I'm sorry. Go and ahead. and then you
0: do the you do the young comedians and you do Letterman. And then there was that moment this is sort of the bigger the question I have, is like yeah. Where, you know, there's something about Boston where, you know, you're taking care of, you know, you, my, Mike Clark's working, you You got yeah, the, you know, sure, you're in it, and sure. they're taking care of you. And yeah. that, you know, that's that's scary and good <laughs> when Nick's is taking care of you. But there was a time there where, you know, all those, like Mike and everybody, there was a lot of work, and Nick's was opening rooms everywhere. Yeah. But you wanted to make a go of it, so you came to New York. I remember you going down to New
1: York yeah, and trying to cut York, in. And I was New York, and I was in L.A. I was in the New York... Laugh off, and I came in fifth, what, fourth. What a fucking humiliating experience that was! Yeah, you know, you're, s- you're standing on the stage, and uh, oh, I uh, Joe Bolster. Oh yeah, but you're standing on stage, and then they they announce the other three, and you yeah. got to go up and pretend oh, you have. I, know, it's fucking I remember, I remember, I I auditioned for Ed McMahon's show. do You remember that Star one? Star Search? And I said, here I am auditioning for something I don't want and I'm being rejected (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the
0: fucking thing about show business you're so you know you want you you feel like you should go for everything or you got that desperation like I got to make a break and then you're doing shit like it's just terrible there's actually I I did things on camera where I'm like why the fuck did I do that they didn't even need a funny guy yeah but but okay, so you decided to move to L.A. to make a go of it, right? Yeah.
1: Well, I I, I had been out here earlier because I went to USC for graduate school for what two years? Uh, that was three, and then I came in acting. No, I got my master's in writing. Really? Yeah. MFA. You went to a lot writing. of colleges. Yeah. So I you were cool. But you were. This was after you did comedy or before? Before. Ah. Yeah. So, when I was going to USC, I loved it. I was living in Venice. Yeah. I was so poor, I was taking buses. Who the fuck takes buses out here? I know, I don't know how long (laughs) it takes. I don't know how long, I can only assume it takes. You know, I got a friend of mine, Jimmy Labriola. He's always wanting to go one foot in and one foot out. I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so he wanted to be a bus driver. You know, you always thinking, too, there's got to be another job. I want
0: to be a grow guy, cook. I just want to yeah. flip
1: eggs. So, so the bus drivers out here, yeah. I was so fascinated. How many routes do you do a day? And they only do a few because it's, the streets are so long. And, you know, I went back, and I'd say to the bus drivers back and boy, how many do you do? I'm oh, 20. I fucking hate it. You yeah. know?
0: I <laughs> fucking um, hate it. <laughs> So anyway- I took a bus to my first evening in the improv at uh, down there in Santa Monica. I did
1: five of those evenings at the improv. In the late
0: 80s, right, at the one in Westwood, right? Yeah. Or wherever, Santa Monica. They
1: had great hosts for those things.
0: Sure, they had everybody. Yeah,
1: that was cool. Bud was always good to me.
0: Yeah, I saw him the other night. Did You did? Yeah. His daughter h- had a benefit for a school at the improv, and he was there. I think he might have a little stroke or something, He's, he's but he's good. He's, he's, How old yeah. is Bud now? I don't
1: know, he's got to be almost 80, if if not more. He was always very nice to well, me. Well, that's good. When I was out here, there was like a thing where you don't work, you work the improv or you work the other place. You can't work both.
0: Well, oh, I, I couldn't work either. I was a doorman at the store in 87. That's You when were? I, yeah, that's when I got in trouble with Sam, yeah, did, for about a year, did a little you, less than a year. Did
1: you work with that fighter out there? Remember there was a He came, a Vin, Vinnie Vinny Curdo? Curdo, no, he came
0: after I was in and out within a year. I was fucked up with cocaine psychosis. I went back to Boston, yeah. and that's when, I, that's when I met you guys. You could feel it in, First,
1: in the comedy
0: store. When you walked in, you could feel it, yeah, the darkness. Oh, dude, it's gone, though. A lot of that was in my head. It took years to shake it, because when you have cocaine psychosis, yeah. everything means a lot more than it really does. Oh, it's
1: unbelievable. Oh, it's all it? loaded,
0: man. And, and how about- and Never
1: good. How about when somebody, yeah, there's this, incredible need to say something even though there's absolutely nothing to say oh yeah and you're you're interrupting people (laughs) to say it (laughs) to say nothing (laughs) but but there's that moment where i've timed it one night a guy said good night and he didn't leave for until another hour (laughs) (laughs) no i'm leaving okay guys i'm leaving okay really i'm leaving okay i used to watch those dudes man because you're afraid to be alone you're afraid to be together you know Lenny's so, good and sober now too, right? Twenty-three years, yeah. Oh
0: my God, do I remember you guys, man? I remember you
1: guys. I, yeah. Like he was, he could go, man. He could go. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's part of it. I yeah. mean, if you look at a lot of great artists, people say used to say to me is all the comedians are, are you all just always screwed up? I said only the good ones, right. really. <laughs> yeah. Because if somebody was really looking for a job, you know, with short range, mid range, long range goals, yeah. This is not the job. There's a
0: whole new generation that seem a lot more socially adept than we were. I'll tell you that. The guys, really?
1: The, yeah, the people that
0: come up and sketch and, and you know working with other people, working and, with other human beings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a
1: whole different thing. But you know, the old school guys, yeah, we're a lot of us are. A mess. Yes. You know, I went back to the improv the last time I was out here, and yeah. I hadn't been there in years. Yeah. And I expected people to look at me. What's yeah. this old fart doing yeah. here and everything? And people were so respectful. Oh, yeah. It was nice. Oh, And they knew me. Yeah. Which was like, I always feel like I'm just this regional guy. But, you know, I've done a lot of stuff. And, uh, I mean, you, you, you know, when you look at your past, sometimes yeah. you, I saw Bill Murray in a great interview. Have you interviewed him, too? No, I'd
0: like to. He's one of the guys that's like a white whale. I can't get him.
1: He, uh Charlie Rose, who we don't even have to get into what, where he is now, you know, but he said to Bill Murray, he did all this stuff. And Bill Murray said, Yeah, I wish I was there for it. Yeah. And I knew exactly what he was saying. He wasn't in the moment, he yeah. wasn't enjoying it. Yeah, I,
0: I, I'm trying to do that now. Like, because yeah. you're so, because you want to get, you want to keep, I don't know what it is. You know, it's just, you don't appreciate the process. Right. And you don't even know exactly what your goal is, but you, <laughs> but it ain't what you're doing necessarily.
1: But maybe that's the problem we have uh, is the idea of a goal. In other words, it's like the journey is is the destination, you know? So yeah. where are my feet? That's what I say all day. Where are my feet? My Let's my enjoy ex-wife
0: uh, from years ago who who got me sober, she she used to do that trick with me when I was first getting sober. She had a few years. Yeah. And she'd go like, you know, when I'd be spinning, she'd go, "What color are your shoes?" Wow. Yeah, where are we?
1: Where are What's we? on the
0: wall? That oh, that's good, huh? Yeah. The same idea. Yeah. So you so when you go out
1: to LA the second time, yeah. how long were you out here? You do what were you going on dishes? I was, yeah, I was doing the whole thing. I got a, a whole what they call a holding deal sure. from Carsey Warner Productions. They paid me not to do anything. And it was amazing. It was like, like one of those good ones, couple hundred grand? No, it was like fifty grand. That's but good. it was like this is fantastic. it's like a city job you're paid to just And you're doing do sets nothing. at the store. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, then that ended, and I don't know what happened. I, I, I just decided I didn't want to be here. I yeah. I, I felt when you grow up in a close knit community yeah. like Charlestown, you get used to that. Yeah. And that's where my people, my family. I love my family, and they were back east. So Are I they still? You still east. got people? Yeah. Yeah, I got great people back there. My one sister lives in Situate one oh, yeah. sister lives in Revere my brother lives in Washington and I would like to say though that what I liked about doing this movie was just the first time I felt this in many years I got to that family feeling like, oh yeah! You know when you do a play in yeah. college or whatever. Yeah. You mean with the people you were working with? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was sure. great. It w- we all pulled together. And-
0: well, I mean, I want to like you know. I'm, I'm certainly. I just was trying to like because you mentioned back to school. You were in that, and you know, and I, I, you know, you've done. You, you sort of show up in the Farrelly Brothers yeah, movies. Yeah. that You're sort of around, and then you didn't
1: you have a, a gig where you know, didn't you get a show for a little while, like a sitcom. I did. I had a sitcom in Boston, and I, I was on that show Alf out here. I did a lot of these. Yeah, little, right. And that like, guy was insane. Which guy? The guy Alf. You know that show Alf? Yeah. That guy was crazy, man. The guy who created it, or he the was, guy who did Alf? The he puppeteer? did it. He did it. Yeah. And Andy created it, and he'd be underneath the desk, and oh, <laughs> look at me! <laughs> you know, yeah. Insane. Wow, this guy's got issues. Yeah, but, but he then didn't. then I wrote and I acted in a George Carlin's. Thing and I got to know him. It was a sitcom and that went to HBO. What what was that called? I forget what it was called because they didn't pick it up. It it was a pilot, which was weird, you know, George Carlin. But I got to be around him. Oh yeah, how was that for you? One of the most brilliant minds I've ever met in my life. We were in Portland, Mass. Yeah, Portland, Maine. Excuse me. And we were driving back, and he named all the constellations. I said, "Wow, look, what a mind." You know? Oh, he was like meticulous, real anal
0: dude. Like he, he had all the jokes on note cards. There was no riffing. You know, it
1: was all fucking... in his office in yeah. Westwood. He'd have all his albums stacked up and books. I didn't. You know, he was just very nice to me. He was good. I, I saw his later specials, and I, and I saw him on Bill Maher. Yeah. Seemed like a different guy to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, you know, when that, I think that when guys start to really, especially guys who are prolific and guys who were, you know, uh, you know, fighting the power, punching up, you know, it it, it starts to get dark. You know what I mean? I think, I don't think anything happened to Carlin other than he, he got old and he got more cynical and you know, it makes sense. Yeah. How how else was he
1: going to go? I sp- yeah, that's a good point. In other words, you've been doing it your whole life and you're still talking about the same stuff.
0: Yeah, and, and and it gets and and certain things aren't resolved and certain things are getting worse and for a guy like him who's pointing out the hypocrisies, you know, it, it, it you know, you're going to get overwhelmed eventually and just be like fuck it all. Yeah. Fuck it.
1: Yeah. But what I liked about George was he he took shots at both sides, you yeah. know, and he went after political correctness, which I think sure. is fantastic, you know. Sure. You got to got to get the
0: balance. Got to figure out the balance.
1: This this creative power, man, that goes through all of us. You can't try to tame it and say you can say this, you can't say that. Well, it's all up to you. I mean, there's
0: no law that says you can't. You just got to make sure where, you got to figure out where it's coming from and whether or not, you know, you're okay with that. It's really still on you. But
1: but do you feel, uh, I don't feel I'm in control of that. When I'm really in touch with something, things come out of me like in one, like in one two minute, like. Like like I I used to do right. this bit beaver and all this bullshit. And, yeah. And and it all came in once. What, what beaver? Oh I had this bit about leave it to beaver. But it oh. all came like an, in a flash. Yeah. You know? Right. So that creative energy, you have to turn off me anyway. Yeah. Let's turn off the editor. Yeah. You know? Well and yeah. Especially JJ. when you're on stage. I've had stuff get away from me that I do regret. Yeah. You know, when I said certain things yeah. on stage, but you know, you look, at, you look at a guy like Michael Richard. Is that who played Michael Kramer? Richards, yeah. So he leaves a sitcom. Then he goes on stage. Yeah. And he doesn't realize it's like a war out there sometimes. Somebody heckles him. He just says whatever comes up. Now he's, you know, life sentence. pariah. Sen-
0: life sentence, yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know. Like, you know, it wasn't that, yeah, he was on a sitcom, but it wasn't like he was, he was coming back to the stand-up stage. I don't know that he was ever really... His racket really, uh, right. and you know, and it got away from him. Yeah, sure, it's a brilliant physical actor. Oh, no, funny as hell. Yeah, but I mean, I think that, that I don't think that you know, there are those moments that you know, you make mistakes, but I think it's the committing to the mistake and then defending it. Like, I, I think it's more about, like, you know, would, am, is this am I correct in where it's coming from in my heart? Like, right. do I feel all right with that? And if you can answer that with a yes, then you shouldn't have any problem defending yourself. But if it's dubious, you should figure out why for yourself. And then decide whether it's worth it. Wow.
1: That's pretty good. You, you know what I said. mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, is it that Did hard? You, why to, don't
1: you write that down? That was pretty good. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I think about it all the time because there are fights to be fought, but some of them are, are you know, are they really worth the fight? You know, is it, is it so essential to your bit that you say fag that, you know, you're going to go to the mats for that?
1: Do you know what I mean? I do, but you know what? I... I, and that's just I an example. I, I don't. Purpose- I wasn't pointing I, at a specific right, I, bit. I, right. But you know, it's like with me. I don't purposely offend people. The object is not to offend people. And some of it, if it's offensive, that's on you. I mean, to me, that's it, true. That's me, true. To me, to me, it's all on them because I'm an actor. I do different races, different dialects. Yeah, I get and, that. So does that make it racist? Well, if you think that, that's on you because it's not. You. Know, that's not your intention that well, yeah and, and and if there's any kind of objective uh you know criticism then it's not anyway um i understand what you're saying but yeah carlin definitely took shots at both sides and, yeah, and but it was yeah. uh, it must have been an honor to, to spend it time with him it was unbelievable i i you know but i did this movie with denzel yeah. and um and then i was working with christopher plummer and i was just pinching myself i was saying, let me get this straight I'm doing a scene with Denzel Washington. I know. And, and then this other thing is, hey, he's, will you frickin' say your lines? Yeah. Do your job. you're looking at him. Do your job. Yeah. It's like going one-on-one with Michael Jordan. You say, I can't believe that I have this extraordinary experience to do this. Yeah. You know, it, it's a career that you just find yourself like meeting you know, you, these people and it's like, wow, how the heck did I get here?
0: You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. So like yeah. like getting up to, you know, building back up to the movie. So you go back to Boston
1: after Los Angeles. You're still in the game. Who's managing you, Mike? No manager. Ever? No. I had a couple. I had Ted Curland who managed Pat Matheny, He was a good guy. And then, You know, you don't need a manager. You don't need a, what is there to manage when you're in Boston? You know what I mean? Well, that's the question. So how do you stay in the game? Well, I... Well, de- back uh, then, essentially. Well, right? I, as, you know what the funny thing is? And this is how the universe works. Yeah. So I'm out here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. and Giving my power away to the big powers, yeah. whoever they are, and just trying to win the lottery out here, yeah. chasing ghosts. I come back, and all these movies are starting to be made in Boston. I get a movie with Peter Falk. Yeah. I get another movie with uh, Jim Carrey. Um, Danny Aykroyd and all these guys, yeah. and one thing after another, is just getting cast because right. directors like me because I go in and I make my audition an event. Yeah, like it's not this polite thing. Thank you very much. I try to do something that's memorable. Yeah, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I show them a range of things, and they all want me on the set. Right. So if there's a part that fits. Uh, not I, but like every actor, of yeah. course, ninety-five percent of the time you don't you strike out, but that doesn't mean anything, you know, because yeah. I cast movies, yeah, and if you're not right, you're not right. Right now, did you did you have a relationship with Rodney? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I uh, met Rodney at Caesar's, and he had been up for a day or whatever, and he was involved in the same junk that we were all, of working. course. And I went up to his room at Caesar's Palace. He had this table. And I swear to God, Mark, I had never seen so much Chinese food on one table and that was just for him. <laughs> yeah. And he was in his bathrobe. And then he we were down there and I and then I went to a commercial. Remember those Budweiser commercials he did? Yeah. And Dan Friedberg was stand one of them was directing it. And so I was and then I saw him again and uh he was he was What I used to say about Rodney to myself was, he was a good guy, but he wasn't a happy guy. For sure. Was whereas Carlin was, he was pretty happy. Yeah, Richard Lewis
0: said, uh, you know, uh, Rodney used to call it the heaviness. He had the heaviness, the depression.
1: Yeah, the heaviness. He he was uh, when I knew him. This he met this woman down in uh, on Malibu Beach, one of these beaches, and she didn't know who he was, and he thought. That was really great. This woman doesn't know who I am. But at the time, he was like one of the most famous people. He was unmistakable. Yeah. So even when we did our little scene, which we shot at USC, this guy, you know, this homeless guy, yeah. he said, Hey, Rodney, I don't get any respect either.
0: I mean, everybody knew Sure. Him. It was cool. The funny thing and sad thing about Rodney is that, you know, after all is said and done, posthumously, he actually does not get the respect he deserves. <laughs> He doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, he, you know. What's your favorite Rodney joke? Oh, there's a few of them. I remember the first time I, I encountered Rodney Dangerville was when I was a little kid, and they used to have the My Favorite Joke section at the back of Parade Magazine. Yeah. It was that like I woke up and I you know I went out to, uh, to get out of the uh, bedroom and the doorknob came off. And then I went down and made some, some toast or something the handle on the toaster came off.
1: It just built up to him going like, I'm afraid to go to the bathroom. You know? <laughs> I'm afraid to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had the joke and then he added the character and, yeah. and the physical. My favorite joke is because uh, it's the misdirection. Yeah. Your mind goes in one direction. He right. like, says, I go to the dentist the other day for yellow teeth. He says, "Wear a brown tie." <laughs> I love that joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I love him. He was something
0: else. So you stayed up in Boston, and then uh, so when when how does it look when you hit the wall with the shit?
1: Oh, you know, sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, then I went on and saved my life, and yeah. uh, then I I changed. You know, from the inside out. And uh, I appreciate everything that I have now, whereas before I had a lot and I didn't appreciate any of it. Sure. You know, so. Were you teaching at Harvard? No, I taught at Suffolk. Okay. And I taught at UMass. I yeah. taught at Quincy College. I acting? Taught, I did acting and writing. Mm. And I liked it a lot. Uh, right now, though, I'm more into producing my own stuff because- yeah. uh, this John Katz did this years ago you did your own thing yeah and Pete Fairley of all people he came to the opening of the movie and he said this is the way to do it yeah he said you know you gotta just do your own thing he just did the 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 green uh, he's an incredible guy I can't thank him Green Book right yeah Green Book he wrote the screenplay yeah and and he won best picture and he directed it what's his brother Peter and Bobby Bobby's doing other similar things like that uh huh are they Boston guys? The Rhode Island guys. Yeah. Beautiful guys, you know? Yeah. So So, you know, we only have so much time on this earth. Yeah. So, I spend my time with people I like. That's nice. So, what's the- I we, had to learn that in therapy. My therapist said, do you know that you don't have to be with people you don't want to be? And I said, really? Yeah. He said, yeah.
0: Then you got to be careful just not to be by yourself. Because I have that thing where it's sort of like, yeah, okay, I don't want to hang out with certain, you know, people I don't want to hang out with. But then it's like, oh, do you do find now meet?
1: that you're famous, which yeah. you are, it's manageable though. What? What? I have a manageable. I, but fame. I mean, I come up, I come up to your house, yeah. and I say, this is great.
0: Well, I got no wife, I got no kids, you got high, I got no debt, you know. it's I, right, I'm saving money. I don't know high what for.
1: Bushes and it's- yeah. It's kind of beautiful. Thanks. Well,
0: know. yes, it's all new to me, you know, but uh, because, I, you know, you can't take it with me. So I had to figure out, like, you know, because I have a comic's brain. It's sort of like, I'm not going to spend any fucking money. I don't know when that money's going to go away. That's good. Yeah. It's good to think that way. Well, I still do, but then I was sort of like, well, i got to enjoy myself. Why not? Like, yeah. I've earned something. Maybe this idea of buying a new place is, is a nice thing to do for oneself.
1: I went to Steven Tyler's house. And you know we, we know each other cuz of Boston and you know he's a great. Is he guy. out here? No, this was when he was in Marshfield, Mass. But oh, yeah. he had the high hedges and the whole thing. Right. And I said, "That's nice. You come home and you, and you you're at peace." You know? Yeah. That's a nice thing. Did he say he was? Yeah, you know. Yeah. What what, what, what <laughs> we're all driven. Yeah. I mean, sure. if, if you if your idea of peace is like and I can I get it why people want to do this, is to retire, for example. Right. So work is not part of peace. For me, it's a process. I gotta have meaningful work. So what is the, now let's talk about the two things. The one man show is called what? Townie, it's about growing up in Charlestown, and I'm gonna shoot that in November, I mean in September, and the other thing that's is I'm really proud of is called Sweeney Killing Sweeney, I play six characters, and I have all of these incredible comedians and a great director, Lisa But these Mola. are characters
0: that you've done yeah. in your act.
1: Yeah, so what happens is HBO comes to town. They yeah. say, we want you. Get rid of the characters. They're too local. They want to do a special. Yeah, so then the characters decide to try to kill me, so they they come after me. Right. And I get to work with all of these great guys, you know, Lenny and, as I said... Frank Santorelli, Tony V, and Stephen Wright, and John Katz, Bobby Slate, and Nick DiPaolo, I, you know.
0: I've interviewed all those guys. Yeah. I've literally interviewed all of those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: check the movie out. You, you'll really like it. Well, I think it's sort of a, like, when I read the description and I saw the trailer, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, this is, it, it seems to me that this is, you know, actually, when I see you with Tony V in that car, yeah. and he's going, you gotta lose the characters. <laughs> like, that That this is a, a how's he doing, all right? Tony's doing great. Right. Yeah. Is, is 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 this a real conversation you've had? Like, you know, there oh, yeah. you know, that, there has been this struggle in your life that, you know, there was a sort of like the the regionality, uh the regional nature of your act which has been your bread and butter for your entire career on some
1: level does hold you back. You know, and, Well, but 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 you know, uh Bill Broaddus wrote this script. That was I started true. with Broaddus. Yeah, great guy. Yeah. And he wrote this script. But That was the truth for me. But then I chose life over a career. So nothing's actually holding me back because what is it holding me back from? But also, when I go other places, people ask me the stupidest questions. Mm. Like they say, when you go to Las Vegas, do you do Boston jokes? I said, yeah, I'm a real idiot. I refer to Boylston Street. What are you, out of your freaking mind? Do you think I'm that stupid? Right. Like when when I did the improv out here, I came out on stage, and uh-huh. I said, this is amazing, uh, Los Angeles. It, you know, it reminds me of the National Park, all these people camping out yeah. and on the, on the street. <laughs> and I said, um, the guy said, do you, want some, do you have any change? I said, no, what you want is marshmallows. You uh-huh. want to... You want to cook out, right? And then I said I was up in San Francisco and I did all the touristy things. But then I wanted to live like I'd be like a native, so I took a shit in the street, and the, the people loved it. You right. know, so a local is just a reference, and you can riff. Yeah, you can riff. Of sure. course, you can. But funny like,
0: is funny. Yeah. You know? And how do you like without spoiling it? I mean, like like you say in your life, you've you've chosen life, so you have some resolution. But I mean, it seems like there's a deeper meaning, and that broadest knows you well enough. Yeah. To know know. Know that you know to be haunted by characters is is one thing, but to actually be physically pursued by them is another. But (laughs) is there some sort of uh, cathartic uh, uh, conclusion to the to the end?
1: Yeah, I it it has a trick ending. Oh, good. Oh, good. It's two different endings. Yeah. There's a part of me. You know, it's funny you, you talk about this because I've always seen things through. So you have this societal pressure that says, success equals rich and famous. Right. Uh, so I've, I never questioned why I left. Like, I knew it was the right thing for me. Left out Left LA. here, sure, yeah. yeah. Well, I, uh, I left once too. I didn't yeah. want to come back. And, but now, yeah. when people are opening doors, of course, it's a different place. This is a shitty, horrible place when you got
0: nothing to do, pal. Absolutely. It's the fucking worst. And I've been here for that, and I've been back and forth several times. Like yeah. there are different points in my career where when I lived out here back in the day when I was a doorman at the store, I left with cocaine psychosis, I went back to Boston, I, I figured it out. I did six months of opening for uh, Frank Santos, and I and I learned, to, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I figured, you know, I, I got back to it, I went back to the trenches. I come back years later, yeah, uh, get a divorce, things crap out, I'm back in New York. Like I've, you know, I've had that relationship mm. with this city. but the, With
1: the business. Oh, yeah, dude.
0: Yeah. And then the, the irony of it is, is like my biz, biggest success happens on my own, by my own will in my own fucking
1: garage. I know. And that changes well, you the know, whole game. I remember reading about it. I read about it, I think, in the Times and all this. this right, the New York Mark, Times piece. Mark, that changed it, yeah. Mark Maron's doing this thing out of his garage, and I always said- Good for him. Yeah, you know <laughs> Good. that's great. Good. Yeah, you yeah. probably had to clean the garage. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I did eventually. But no, that's
0: a funny thing. I don't think anyone's like. It's not like I didn't pay my fucking dues. It's not like anything was handed to me. It's good to be, you, you know, to find success later in life because there's not a lot of assholes could go like that.
1: Fucking guy cheated. He skipped his <laughs> but, turn. But, but did did you ever feel like you were paying? I never felt like I was paying dues. I never felt like I was a, I, I, I was I was thirty years old. I was making forty bucks, hundred forty something a week. Living in a loft in the south end, but I was acting, and I never felt like I was suffering. I never felt like I was paying dues. I enjoy the work. No, I just felt like I wasn't good enough. I didn't feel like I would, there was some conclusion to it. Obviously, yeah. I wanted
0: to be a great comic. Yeah. But uh, but you know, when I look back on you know my time in Boston and doing all those one nighters with you guys, you know, going to, to fucking Worcester, to Lemonster, to Cranston, yeah. to yeah. Taunton, to fucking Johnny Yee's, to, like yeah. like that was I,
1: Hyannis, Johnny
0: Yee's. Yeah, 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 all over the place. So like there was. I don't really looking back on it i don't know how the hell i did that because they weren't easy things to do and i was you know a very specific type of guy but for some reason your generation you dealt with me. You now there's other guys in my generation that you didn't deal with, but for some reason I was wrapped up enough, and you guys were okay with me somehow. And that, well, you
1: know, what we're good guys. We're oh, just, are just sure?
0: We're, we're just regular guys. Oh, I know, but like I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't a Boston guy, but no, I, I always yeah. appreciated the fact that I could do it. But I don't know how the fuck I did it. So when yeah. I say I paid my dues, I'm like, when if you ask me, like, what was that like? I'm like, it was fucking hell, man. It it was like it was warfare for me to figure out how to talk to a room me. Mark Maron at yeah. age 21, this angry kind of existential, you know, heady fucking Jewish guy, yeah. you know, is standing like I, I remember one time going on after Leary at Nick's and Dennis, whether he did well or not, he was going to rip the room apart. You yeah. know what I mean? It was yeah. just good. And I got up there. I'm like, I'll just jump into his energy. And I got up there and I did seven minutes and I tanked so hard. I know. The I vacuum know. of it.
1: But but, 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 but,
0: but, like, so what I'm saying is, like, I don't regret any of that. Right. But I definitely but I did I time. I had to do
1: the same thing. Of course. When, but when that's I was paying dues, I, whether I, you like it or not. Right. When I was doing plays, yeah. There was a backstage, okay? There was a place where you prepared. You work in these shitholes, always named after the guy, you yeah. know, Vinnie's fucking yeah. dump hole. Yeah. There's no place that you just, it's like <laughs> fucking, it's just right. And I had to learn how to do that. And then when you work in a theater and you're saying to yourself, shit, they're listening to me. It's great. And then you have to work in the subtlety and not go for the immediate laugh. I think I say that because I'm proud
0: of it because like I didn't come up like I'm not an alternative comic or whatever. Like I came
1: up the old way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know and it's you like. You paid those emotional dues. Oh man. It I gives you know. something. It does. I'm proud of it. What, whatever it is, it yeah. gives you something. Yeah. You know? And 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 you know you know what happens to me is like, I'm a very nice person now as far as like CVSs and drugstores and oh yeah Starbucks. Sure. But I have this part of me that's like. Anytime I want, I can take over this fucking room. And here, she gives a, me a hard time. I can make a speech. Yeah, sure. And you're, you, a, but, you're a black belt and asshole. Yeah, <laughs> black. Very good. Absolutely. <laughs> I know how to be an asshole. Yeah. yeah. I know. But you, you try but, not. You right. try not to bring it out. Well, you don't
0: want to use it. You it's illegal to use it. But but yeah. you
1: know the thing is, you get cranky when you get older. I and there's certain things like, I grew up. You say. Uh, I say thank you, you say you're welcome. So I pull up to like a McDonald's and I say thank you, and then they don't say anything. Yeah. So there I'm giving a lecture to some 17-year-old kid. Now when I say thank you, you say you're welcome, I'm saying, what am I doing? <laughs> Spending my day giving lectures. You're giving him are, a are memorable they, experience. Yeah, are, are, this are, guy are, came. Or you say thank you, and they say no problem, and I say, I know there's not a problem, <laughs> Well, but what? Why am I in this conversation with these idiots? <laughs> right. You know. Oh man, it's funny. So do you, do you still uh, do you still have a club of your own? No, I'm. I work at uh, Giggles Mike Clark's Club. At the Leaning Tower of Pizza. The Leaning Tower of Pizza. That's still going, huh? Oh yeah, it's great room. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and uh, you know, I work various places back east, and I'm trying to get these movies off the ground. I got yeah. another one I wrote that. We're pitching the Irish Film Board about my trips to what Ireland. What is that? What is that? Well, I I wrote a movie about my bike trips in Ireland. You know, uh-huh. and, and, uh huh. And it's about how people act like their nationalities. Like, I yeah. I, like the I've done four of these bike trips, and that's your thing, bikes. I, the bike and hike, but the yeah. The tour guide was always hungover. He was Irish, right? The Americans were always enthusiastic. What are we going to do today? Yeah, and the Germans very literal. You know, I'd say, said to me, "How was the town?" I said, "It was all right." So it was good. Well, it was all right. So it was bad. You know, so I I, (laughs) no in between. Yeah. Yeah. So I got this that going, and then I have another movie that I'm, I want to get off the ground, but want to see this one through. And, yeah, that's my that's my thing right now is just producing movies. Well,
0: you look great. You sound Thank great. You. I'm, Thank very, you, uh, I'm
1: very happy you're okay. It was a, it was a treat to see you and oh, talk to you. You know, Mark, I'm so proud of you, man, because it's like you did it your own way, number one. But also, you know, it, it, boy, it, it is a crapshoot, isn't it? You just oh, did something. You weren't expecting anything, and here you are. You don't know man
0: it's a, it's just like they you know you always hear that's not a meritocracy no shit and the sad thing is about you know, you know very talented people is that you know they're going to de- they might destroy themselves it it just might happen yeah uh, you know people who are just kind of talented but very
1: focused they seem to manage somehow <laughs> they they know how to do life yeah yeah i did i did not but but there's there's like there's guitarists out there playing in little bars in ohio that are geniuses absolutely there's guys in rep companies theater guys that they'll never get anywhere and my brother's one of my brother's a brilliant actor and uh they're out there and they're just creating magic and mesmerizing but does your brother have peace in his life oh yeah he's he's out of the business Okay. So, listen, the movie is on... The courage of that that man. Yes, you better (laughs) believe it. The movie's on iTunes called Sweeney Killing Sweeney. It's going to be on Amazon on Wednesday, and uh, it's been a real treat. Thank you. It's good talking to you, Steve. All right, my man. There you go. The
0: legend, Steve Sweeney. Boston Zone. Yeah. It was... uh, That was something, man. It was... It was wild, you know. It, it was, there was parts of it that were just as intimidating as they were when I was uh, you know, 25, or however old I was. Uh, again, his movie, uh, Sweeney Killing Sweeney, is available on iTunes and Amazon. He'll be at the Improv Asylum in Boston this Sunday, June 23rd, doing his one-man show, Townie. I have to go shoot some movie now. Oh, God. I'm, now I'm exhausted. I, I, haven't, I haven't teed up for the day completely. Okay, bye. Boomer lives!